Good morning and welcome once again to In Focus. And I'm John Sims. Joining us this morning, Deanna Sims. No relation, by the way. No just relation. Longtime colleagues in trying to do good things in the community. Deanna is the Chief Development Officer of the Children's Advocacy Center of Smith County. Good morning, Deanna. It's um, not the first time you've visited with us, and that's always a good thing and always great to have you back. Thank you, John. I really appreciate being here. You bet. Don't forget, InFocus is available online. Just go to ktbb.com slash InFocus. InFocus is uploaded to our website by the day after the show airs. Lots to talk about today. Children's Advocacy Center is a very far-reaching agency, and along with the things you've been doing on a day-in, day-out basis for many years now, there's a lot of new stuff that we want to talk about as well. Let's start, as we always do, by getting just kind of a brief history, mission, background, uh, who you are, what you do, how it all began. Yes, well, there were a group of community leaders that um, determined that uh, with the prevalence of child abuse in our community, we needed to do something to specifically address that. And our agency actually was birthed out of the East Texas Crisis Center, which addresses domestic violence and uh, abuse Mm -hmm. with adults. So um, we became our own independent agency back in 1998. We've actually been in this community for quite some time. Um, A lot of people get us confused with CASA. CASA is an organization that helps children who are in the foster system in preparing to go to court and working through the foster system. Um, Only a, a small percentage of children with whom we work are actually in the foster system. So there is a little bit of overlap, but our organization's mission is to reduce trauma for any children who have experienced severe physical or sexual abuse and we're striving to uh, reduce that trauma through a unified effort. A group of agencies come together and provide thorough investigations, effective prosecutions, and the healing of children and their families. Uh, One of the most simple ways I guess I could explain it is that if you are calling into a hotline to report child abuse in any form, That report goes to Children's Protective Services, it goes to law enforcement, and it goes to the Children's Advocacy Center of Smith County, which is our organization. We are the organization that actually funnels those requests and qualifies them for children being scheduled for forensic interviews. And forensic interviews are the first way that a child comes to us. They come if they are referred by law enforcement or CPS, and they come to give a story of their abuse one time. In -hmm. the past, before there were children's advocacy centers, children had to tell um, a report of abuse many times, numerous numerous occasions to maybe the... um, lawyer to the police to the hospital and over and over as their story was told it was very re-traumatizing for children in addition sometimes the story would get muddled and by the time it came to court uh, people weren't sure exactly what uh, transpired so in this way we provide early intervention for that child to come in as soon as the abuse is reported and be able to tell their story one time in a recorded interview that is then turned over to law enforcement uh, to take that case potentially as far as it needs to go. Then we, as the Children's Advocacy Center, serve those children and families as long as they need help in a 
number of ways. So what we're talking about here is an agency that deals with children who, in one way or another, have been victimized by prosecutable crimes, regardless of what the ultimate outcome may be. That's right. Okay. And you don't just work with children. Ages 0 to 17 is your primary uh, target group, but you also work with uh, adults that have cognitive challenges. So strictly speaking, it's n not just for children, although uh, you, when you deal with adults, they have the mentality of a child. That's right. Okay. That's right. All righty. Little known facts about child sexual abuse. Let's get into that right now to kind of set the scene and talk about, uh, you know, a little bit more seriously about some of the issues we're dealing with here. Yes, um, child abuse is so much more common in our community than people realize. As a matter of fact, one in 10 children will be sexually abused before their 18th birthday. Um, and 90% of children who are victims of sexual abuse actually know their abuser. You know, we talk a lot about stranger danger, but nine out of 10 children are abused by a trusted adult. Um, only around 10% of new arrests for sex crimes against children involve individuals with prior sex offense records. So many times we we uh, take a lot of security in the fact that there is someone on the registry that we can target in a neighborhood and say, well, I don't have any of those in my area, so I'm safe. Um, we really um, see that most people who have abused don't yet have a record for that offense. And then 60% of child sexual abuse victims never tell anyone. And so the intervention strategies that I'll talk to you a little bit about later are ways that we try to address that issue. Okay, Deanna Sims, our guest this morning on In Focus. I'm John Sims, and we are talking to Deanna as the Chief Development Officer of the Children's Advocacy Center of Smith County. If you want to get in touch, it's real easy to do. The Children's Advocacy Center, at least for now, and this is something else we'll talk about later in the show, is located at 2210 Frankston Highway. It's across the street from the TISD administrative offices and the big uh, Walmart uh, uh, neighborhood market right there on the Frankston Highway. Um, and the phone number is 903-533-1880. You can also catch them online at www.cacsmithcounty.org. That's cacsmithcounty.org. And there's a lot going on with regard to Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram if you want to go the social media route. And I must say you have a very... Um, full menu of items uh, on that website. Anything we don't get to cover in detail on the show today, you can easily find out about by going to that website or checking out that social media. In any event, let's move on here. Your services. We started off talking about the forensic interviews, and there's some number crunching to do here just to kind of bring into play how important and what a key piece the forensic interviews are of the work that you do, Deanna. Yes, as you can imagine, uh, during the, the stay-at-home orders last year for the coronavirus pandemic, we um, were very concerned because we knew that a lot of children were at, uh, sequestered at home with their abusers. And uh, our numbers actually at the beginning of 2020 or mid-2020 mid in spring and uh, during the five months that children were out of school, uh, we the, our numbers for reporting went down substantially. Uh, the reason for that is that our teachers are our uh, number one reporters of abuse. 
Um, but as soon as school started again, just as we expected, the numbers spiked. And even with those five months of being out of school, um, we conducted a record-setting 873 forensic interviews. Um, that increase is attributable uh, in, in large part to the increase in severe physical abuse cases. Mm-hmm. Um, so we saw a 34% increase in interviews over the same time period for this school year that we did the prior year. As a matter of fact, this year we have conducted so many interviews that if we stay on track in 2021, we could see as many as 1,200 children. Oh, my gosh. This is a rampant problem. And uh, on the upside, agencies like your agency, CASA, other agencies and other, uh, like the the police department, school systems, CPS, uh, because of the cooperation, it is being dealt with in ways that it wasn't being dealt with not that long ago, and yet it goes on and on and on. There's obviously a great need for the kinds of services you provide. And those numbers, to me, really bring it home and to our listeners as well. Medical exams. Let's move on and talk about that and how that's a part of the work you do. Yes, we provide um, medical exams to the children who come to our center. As a matter of fact, um, in 2015, we started offering these medical exams on site in our property. And they were in our property. We had um, a nurse practitioner um, who saw children to do follow-up exams, non-emergency exams. In other words, if a child had been abused, these were the exams that were conducted five days or more since the um, case had had um, been reported. And the importance of these exams really has to do with not only the children's health, but also their mental well-being and helping them to understand that they're going to be okay, uh, providing general well checks. We're also looking for other things that could be issues as a result of abuse. But we had never provided emergency exams, which are the ones that the same exams that collect evidence for prosecution. Um, we actually, during the, um, during the pandemic, we realized there was a great need for those emergency exam- exams to be shifted to our facility. Mm-hmm. Um, the emergency rooms were being prepared and um, um, specifically dedicated to COVID cases. Um, when you have a, a sexual exam for a child, sexual abuse exam for a child, those emergency rooms could be tied up for three to four hours. It was not only safe, mm-hmm. uh, unsafe for them in many ways as far as exposure to COVID, but it was not a child-friendly environment. So the hospitals were kind enough to encourage us to move those exams to our facility. And um, we are hopefully going to continue this offering and now provide both emergency and non-emergency exams for children. All right. Talking to Deanna Sims, Chief Development Officer for the Children's Advocacy Center of Smith County. I'm John Sims. This is In Focus. Want to get in touch? Website? Maybe just the quickest and easiest way to do it. That's www.cacsmithcounty.org. And they do have Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as far as social media. Also, 903-533-1880 and the street address, 2210 Frankston Highway in Tyler. Family advocacy. Let's move on to that topic and talk about some of the key points there. Yes. After a, children has, uh, after a child has had a forensic interview, um, we make every effort to wrap our arms around the child and the protective caregiver family in order to provide for their needs. Many times if the... Um, 
if the perpetrator of this abuse has been the breadwinner of the family, uh, their life has been severely disrupted. And so because of that, they may not only need emergency supplies and resources, uh, but these family advocates also interview this family to find out if there's anything else they need help mm-hmm. with job sourcing or any or connecting them to any other nonprofits in the community like path or boys and girls club or anything else that could help them with their family um one of the things that we do provide are um emergency cleaning supplies and uh, we provide a lot of diapers car seats uh pack and plays Uh, and sometimes even clothing for children. We provide emergency uh, gas cards to allow children's families to bring them back and forth to therapy. And we also provide blankets and bears. Um, When a child completes their forensic interview, they have an opportunity to choose a blanket and a bear of their choice. And for members of our community, this Rainbow Room wish list and these blankets and bears are a way that people can tangibly give in-kind donations. Um, So we receive... um, Really, in a year's time, you can imagine with potentially 1,200 interviews, we're going to be needing lots of blankets and bears. And um, so we have people from that, that make blankets or that purchase them and, or have drives at their church or in their organization or at their schools and provide those for us. Uh, we have a wish list on the website of emergency supplies and resources that we can use, and people will order those and have them shipped to us. Um, those are great ways that people can get involved with us and help us because those are tangible uh, things that we give out every single day. Okay, I want to talk a little bit about blankets and bears because this is way more than just a nice, oh, here's a cute little bear, touchy-feely type thing. Blankets and bears can play a key role in the child's recovery from the trauma of abuse. Uh, can you explain that a little bit? You may want to share a little personal story. It's up sure, to you. How do, sure. How, how, Children, I think, have, uh, you know, of course, it's very, it's very, it takes a lot of courage for a child to come forward and tell a story that they've either been told not to tell or that they feel some sort of undue guilt or shame about for no reason. And and when they come um, to tell that story, there's a real freeing and comforting um, um, emotion that's associated with that. So when we give a blanket and a bear to a child, they associate that blanket and bear with the first safe day that they may have felt in a long time. Mm -hmm. And I found in my own experience with some children that we fostered several years ago that that blanket and bear become very much a comfort item long-term for them. Mm -hmm. Uh, I had a a child who, who was homesick from school and I tried to cover her with a quilt and she said, oh, no, 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 I want my blanket from the CAC. Mm. So that tells you a lot about how it's more than just a an item to give a child that's a nice idea. It's something that they can associate with one of the most important days of their life. Mm-hmm. Very, very interesting. Something I would not really have thought that mm-hmm. much about. Mm-hmm. Deanna Sims, our guest this morning, uh, Chief Development Officer for the Children's Advocacy Center of Smith County. I'm John Sims. This is In Focus. Trauma-focused therapy, also a very important component. Yes, all of our services uh, provided to children and their families are provided at no cost. And one of the most important has to do with therapy. We provide a very specific trauma-focused therapy that helps a child deal with the 
uh, repercussions of abuse. For many adults in our society, before there were CACs, uh, many of them either kept a secret about the abuse they had experienced, or if they told it, they didn't have a a trained professional that could help them Mm -hmm. work through those emotions. And so um, we are very thankful that we have a, a program that is where we provide specific assessments pre and post therapy uh, and each one is specific to the child so a child may be in therapy for a few months or they may be in therapy for a year or two it all depends on how the child progresses we also come alongside with the protective caregiver because we want to make Mm -hmm. sure that when they go back into their home environment post therapy that they have a good environment environment to have have healthy boundaries and healthy um, understanding of what has happened Uh, and many times in a home there are multiple issues that have to do with this abuse happening in their home and so or or in their in their social environment so we want to make sure that everybody is equipped and prepared to go on and have a healthy and hopeful future You bet. And along with that, you have what you put under the umbrella of intervention services. And this breaks down into a couple of categories, community education, which I really guess is what's going on right now as we speak, and also trauma-informed schools. Let's hear a little bit more about those. Yes, um, because I I shared earlier that 60% of uh, child sexual abuse victims never tell anyone, we we have to think about where these children are every day from 8 to 3 they're in schools. So our intervention services have taken what we do outside of our walls and we provide safety prevention courses in schools for children. They're age-appropriate programs from pre-K and we have material and curriculum all the way up through high school. Currently we are in all of the um, elementary schools in Smith County in those public school districts we also are have been in some of the middle schools and are starting to do more of that but this is a program that explains to children um, the boundaries that are appropriate for them to set about um, safe touches unsafe touches and confusing touches what those all mean the way to um, communicate and tell their story of abuse to a uh, trusted adult so that they can uh, get the help that they need. And um, we reinforce that every year. It also uh, dovetails nicely with the school's requirements to be able to provide some sort of abuse training for children and uh, or prevention for them. So um, that has become huge. We, in 2019, were able to serve over 17,000 children. This last year, because of COVID, our numbers were a little bit more limited. Um, We had a little over 10,000 children served, but we anticipate that our numbers will be right back up there this year. We've done some things via Zoom and in person and are starting to do more and more in person. Um, But we have some trained community educators that go out into the schools to take care of that. Um, Trauma-informed schools Uh, dovetails with the other side of education which are the teachers and the faculty members and the administrative team and the bus drivers we provide trauma sensitive training for those adults and we go into the schools and provide specific trauma informed education to provide a tool for for educators to use in the classroom many times a teacher knows that something may be wrong with a child maybe they're reclusive maybe they've just 
dart out out of the classroom and go down the hallway and and many times uh, an educator or an adult will say what's wrong with this child but the right question that we need to actually be asking is what could have happened to this child Mm -hmm. Uh, we're not trying to add one more thing to teachers plates we all know they have more than enough you bet what this is is the plate and we're trying to provide an environment for them to be able to help children who may have experienced trauma to settle down and learn and to help the classroom environment be more education friendly. So this is a great tool. We have received such positive response from the teachers that we're, with whom we're working that we are getting requests to continue to expand this program. We're very, very excited about it. It's one of our most uh, new but also most innovative programs. Mm-hmm. Talking to Deanna Sims of the Children's Advocacy Center of Smith County, I'm John Sims. This is In Focus, Children's Advocacy Center at 2210 Frankston Highway in Tyler, phone number 903-533-1880. And the website is, again, www.cacsmithcounty.org org with social media options of facebook twitter and instagram so lots you can learn about this agency online talking about community education in a broader sense i mentioned at the beginning of this piece of the conversation that this is really kind of part of that this is one of the ways this show that you get the word out about the children's advocacy center and i know it's been difficult and for the longest time impossible to meet with uh, rotary clubs civic organizations churches uh, things like that but you do have a speakers bureau and um you are still especially now that things are beginning to open up more i assume you're still trying to get the word out in those ways as much as possible absolutely we want everyone in the community to know very clearly what we do um one of the things that makes that a little bit difficult is because we are a secure confidential environment for children so people don't just walk in and out of the children's advocacy center on a daily basis and we don't advertise for people to come to the children's advocacy center as a client they're only referred there by law enforcement or cps Mm -hmm. so but we do want the community to know because we know the community cares about this important topic and we want them to understand not only how pervasive it is but what positive things that we are doing to address this issue in smith county you bet facility expansion we kind of mentioned this in passing a few minutes ago when we were giving out the street address you will not be at 2210 frankston highway forever and hopeful hopefully fairly soon you will be in a much expanded and much more user-friendly, for lack of a better term, and that may be the best one I can think of, uh, facility. To do that, you got a capital campaign going, and let's talk a little bit about that. Okay. Well, first, let me tell you a little bit about the need for this. Um, we have, in the last eight years, multiplied fourfold in practically every measurable ep- uh, metric. Uh, back in 2013 we had seven employees now we have over 27 Mm. in addition to that we have law enforcement and cps uh, child crime investigators that are housed in our facility um we have um we've gone from about a four four hundred thousand dollar budget to now a 2.5 million dollar budget we have um, programs expanded. We have we've really we've served many more children. Back then, we were serving around three or four hundred children in forensic interviews. This year, uh-huh. I told you we could serve as many as twelve hundred. Mm-hmm. So every conceivable metric is multiplying. But our eight thousand square foot building is just not serving us well anymore. We have up to four people in offices. We have kids 
um, and adults coming in the same entrance, uh, kids who are coming in for forensic interviews are coming in the same place that the kids who are at a much later stage of healing that are coming for therapy are all in one waiting room together. We have the copier out in the hallway with, with yeah. non-direct service staff in the same hallway where children are walking down to, to have their forensic interviews. We have up to four people sharing offices. It, the need is great. So we've been trying to think of the most practical solution for this. Initially, we thought we might expand our uh, facility on our on our own footprint, but we realized even with the room there, um, the two acres and the and the facility and parking lot there, we would be out of room again in three years. So we are trying to purchase and renovate a thirty thousand square foot commercial building. One nice thing about uh, the unfortunate things that have happened in our economy in some ways and and with the inventive ways that people are learning to work remotely is that there are some properties available. So we are going to try to take advantage of that and purchase a, a building and then make it a child-friendly environment for children. Right. This is a $5.2 million fundraising goal that we've been working on the last couple of years. And we've had people quietly giving in our community to the tune of almost $2.2 right. We are very thankful for that. So now we are on track to try to raise the other $3 million. We're working very hard at that. And we have some great people who are stepping forward. Of course, if anyone is interested in helping in any way with that, I'd love for you to call our office and get in touch with me. Um, we have a group of people who are out in the community as volunteers raising funds for that effort. We're writing grants. We're doing a lot of things. So we're very excited that perhaps by the end of this year, we could possibly be moving to a new facility. That sounds very exciting, Deanna. Deanna Sims being our guest this morning from the Children's Advocacy Center of Smith County on In Focus. I'm John Sims. And while we're on that track uh, you can donate any time there is Absolutely. a donation tab on the um, uh, children's advocacy center website which i will give out again www.cacsmithcounty.org you can donate uh, to the rainbow room blankets and bears and there are different types of volunteer opportunities all of which you can learn more about by making that call to 903-533-1880 or checking that children's advocacy center website also along that line it's April. It's Child Abuse Awareness and Prevention Month, and you're busy with that. You got it kicked off, I see, with a couple of items on April 1st and April 7th, the Race Against Child Abuse kickoff, and then the Blue Friday. Let's look ahead now at what is yet to come, starting with April 13th. This is the Chewy's Give Back Day, so you're getting Chewy's yes. involved, Chewy's Restaurant involved. Yes, and we are, we are so appreciative of all of our restaurants, and we're especially sensitive to the fact that it's been a tough year for a lot of them, and uh, but Chewy's has been with us since the very beginning. Uh -huh. They actually were the first uh, organization to do a give back day with us years uh -huh. ago. And uh, we're very excited that on April 13th, on that Tuesday, 10% uh, of all receipts when showing our flyer or online orders using our code will be given to the CAC. So it's important that you either have a flyer that you can, um, that you can uh, get from our Facebook page or um, that you use a code if you're ordering online in order to um, get that give back. But it will be for all day, 
and we are very uh, appreciative of Chewy's for taking care of that for us. Okay, a couple of more events, a couple of minutes left in the show, and uh, probably just about enough time to cover, first of all, the Cornhole event in White House, April 24th, and the East Texas Giving Day, which is a big one put on by the East Texas Communities Foundation, April 27th. Yes, we're going. We're looking forward to a very fun day on April 24th. We're going to have a, a cornhole tournament that's supervised by the Rose City Cornhole uh, League, and they are actually um, helping facilitate that for us. We have a lot of fun things that will happen out there that day at the Oak Crossing, Jasper's venue, Ventures' new venue out at um, White House. Um, one of the things that they have are going to have, a, they're going to have a kid zone with bounce houses, lots of things to do there. We're going to have food trucks. We're going to have um, all kinds of, uh, we're going to have a Build-A-Bear kind of um, booth. We're going to have face painting and um, we're going to have uh, beer trucks. We're going to have just all kinds of things for people to be able to come and enjoy the day. Uh, we'd love for uh, you to come out and be a part of it. If you want to sign up for a team, just go online and you can you can do that right there on our website. On April 27th, East Texas Giving Day is a community-wide um, um, event put on by the East Texas Communities Foundation. If you would like to give specifically to the Children's Advocacy Center, you can find our page on the East Texas Communities Foundation website. And we're excited about uh, the opportunity for that one-day give event. You bet. Uh, just a little over a minute left in the show, and I'll wrap it up here, Deanna. We've been talking to Deanna Sims with the Children's Advocacy Center of Smith County dedicated to child victims of physical and sexual abuse, striving to reduce trauma through a unified effort that facilitates through investigations, effective prosecutions, and the healing of children and their families using a big team. Uh, Department of Family and Protective Services, law enforcement, district attorney's office, medical practitioners, the list goes on and on and on. And uh, once again, if you want to make contact about anything that we've talked about in the last half hour or so, uh, 2210 Frankston Highway, at least for now, is the address. And uh, 903-533-1880, the phone number. Also, that website, one more time, www.cacsmithcounty.org. Deanna, as always, it's been a pleasure and very informative to have you visiting with us this morning on In Focus. Thank you. Deanna Sims with the Children's Advocacy Center of Smith County, our guest this morning on In Focus. I'm John Sims. As always, thank you for joining us, and we will see you again next week on In Focus.